Coming up at 5 o'clock today, Dusty Dvorak joins us here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I saw a stat on Mahomes late last night as I, I suffered from insomnia. I think I know what stat you're talking about. That absolutely blew my mind. Have you seen the clutch time stat? Yes, I have seen it, and uh, I've also lived it. My apologies. I'm not trying to <laughs> I know. make you relive no, it. No, I know, I know. It's one of those, though, that it just, you know how good he's been in clutch time situations, but when you see it all spelled out. It doesn't make sense. It's pretty wild. So I saw Ryan Clark tweet this last night. I believe this came Since, from uh, someone called Neil Payne. He has a substack yeah, that writes yeah, Neil uh, Payne. That's right. on football. That's right. So since 2001, last 23 years, there have been 125 drives in the fourth quarter with under a minute to go where a team has been down by seven or less points, right? 40% of those 125 opportunities have resulted in a comeback win for the team trailing. Again, trailing by seven or less under a minute in the fourth quarter. So 40% of them have, have been comebacks. Tom Brady has been in 11 of those, but he's only operating at a success rate of 46%. He's 5 of 11 in those opportunities. Another example given in this was Drew Brees, who's at a 50% success rate. He has converted three of his six opportunities in that scenario into wins. Patrick Mahomes has successfully done this 100% of his opportunities. He is a perfect seven for seven in that scenario. Down by seven or less points in the fourth quarter with under a minute to go, and it results in his team winning. Seven for seven. That is beyond mind blowing. Well, it. One, that is just absurd that that is actually real. Um, you know, there are certain athletes that go into the that that category of we know and just expect moments of brilliance when the pressure is on. And I know you brought up like Tom Brady being five for 11 in that scenario at 46%, and then Drew Brees at 50. I have such respect for the league and everyone that plays in it and a, you know, the, the team environment and team effort and the collaboration, the love that they all have to, for each other, and the fact that they are the best in the world at what they're doing in those moments like that. And it's like I tip my cap to to Brady and to Breeze because be, even being able to do it half of the time to me seems otherworldly, does it not? Yeah, 
I yeah, mean, that, that seems like you would be like, I, I just, I'm in awe of what I'm watching, that it's basically a coin flip of whether or not that you're going to be able to go out there and do this. And then to go ahead and take it to the next level to where it is a, right now in his career, it's a full-on guarantee that that is just happening with him. He has surpassed everyone with that. I mean, Colby, you've lived through this. As a Cowboy fan, do you want Aaron Rodgers to have the football with under two Absolutely minutes to go? Not. When Trent, like, no, you don't. And I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' numbers are, but they're not this. <laughs> they're not. They're just. Well, not. That's why I've always said, like, the the Dez catch thing, right? Like, I've swore forever it was a catch, but I also don't think that that necessarily means that the Cowboys would have won the game, right? Because Aaron Rodgers probably getting the ball back there, and if I had to bet one way or the other, he's probably scoring, right? So. Yeah, And we can look at it from the other perspective. Scott, you're a Packers fan. So when Aaron Rodgers got the football back, like you were feeling really good with what you witnessed with Aaron Rodgers do in moments like that. Oh, absolutely. You knew there was a – I mean, nothing's 100%, obviously, but you knew there's a better chance than not that he would lead them to at least tie a game, if not win it. Yeah, and this has even like eclipsed – because the thing about the Chiefs is – like Butker is so good, is so good that his range is pregame Super Bowl. He's hitting seventy yarders. I go back to our early stages of fandom in the league. You know, this is the second time in the last week I'll bring up a Mike Kofer reference, but that was the kicker for the 49ers, right? And and much of their heyday, freaking Mike Kofer. Remember when we used to think, like, my God, he just banged through a 48-yarder. That is un- <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, 50 was like the threshold. 50 was like, pfft. You were going to make Sports Center if you made a 50-yard field goal. Teams wouldn't even right? try. They're like, no. Yeah. No, we're not. Yeah. Do- what are you talking about? 50-yarder. Now it's with such relatively ease that those guys are The field goal record was through. broken twice on Sunday. By the way, how wild was it? When Moody broke that record, that the longest uh, the longest field goal in the Super Bowl was only 53 yards. That's how f- quickly we've moved on to that. That makes sense in 90s version of NFL. Like, that makes more sense to me. But when I heard it was 53, I was like, that's it? Yeah, and that record had been there for 30 years. Yes. That's how, that's how much we've changed. So, Butker plays a role in this that with the Chiefs. Almost like a cheat code that you're going to get three no matter what. So you better have more than a three. But to then to extend it and to see that all he does is just finish off drives with touchdowns, seven or more. Like, come on. Come on. Absolutely absurd. And truly a badass stat. That falls right in line with something else that I think that we're going to hear more of. Now that we've moved in officially to draft season, and also, does this guy get paid season? Teams have are, are starting to take long looks at what the holes on their roster are, and also, are we paying this guy too much money? You know, I heard a scout last week, a former scout, say this. He said, you know, it's you get to this point in the season, and it's he goes, it's not even this point in the season. It's through the course of the regular season as well. And the minute that you start making – above $15 million a year, like you become a, a an everyday conversation in the building. And what he means by that is, is that 
the scrutiny on you as a $15 million per year player and higher is so in-depth within the building that they are looking at you basically through a magnifying glass. Jerry always told me, the big O had always said, hey, there's one thing that I teach you about the league is this. They pay you a lot of money, and then they do everything in the world to try to take it back from you. <laughs> yeah. He's like that just with fines and everything. They're just looking for reasons to take the money back from you that they just gave you. And when you go above $15 million per year, it's almost like they are looking for excuses to get rid of you. Are, are we sure that uh, this play here is just over-scrutinized? Like, that's not the play of a $15 million per year man. Can we get by on the cheaper? So all these teams are going through these scenarios now, and I hope that teams are smarter than this, but I've already seen it a little bit. Are you sure that we need to pay wide receivers now? Look at what Kansas City's been doing. Look at who they have at quarterback. Are you sure that you just found a generational quarterback to be able to pull that move off? But yeah, it's already you don't have to pay receivers if you have a generational quarterback. But if you don't, you better be paying receivers. That's right. But but you know teams are going to be dumb. That some teams are going to fall into that trap of like, yeah, well, look at how Kansas City's been able to get by this. Oh yeah, but you don't have that guy. That's the type of player that we're talking about with that stat that's there. And I, 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 I couldn't believe that we were already falling into this trap about, are we now overpaying wide receivers? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure, when you've got Pat Mahomes. Sure, when you've got the elite of the elite. But not every team can pull off what just right. happened in Kansas City. It's it's why, you know, what, what they're doing and Mahomes is doing is is really incredible. But, yeah, to to do that, like, I, I literally read that, like, three times last night to make sure that I wasn't, like, reading it wrong or missing something. Because that just doesn't even seem realistic. I read it, and I'm instantly sort of hallucinating. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that kind of tracks. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that that is that's real. <laughs> it's it's really crazy. But but it's also why I think going into the Baltimore game, I said like I think Baltimore is the better team, quote unquote, on paper, but I'm not betting against Mahomes. Same thing for the Super Bowl. I feel I felt like the Niners were the best team in the NFL all year long. I think they're the better team on paper. But I I couldn't pick against Mahomes just because I think if the game is close enough for him to be an X-factor, you you just have to lean that way. Just finds a way to get it done no matter what, yep. no matter what the circumstances are. But we'll always have the Kermit reels. We so. always will. And, hey, as much as I hate it, he did get everyone free wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> So there you go. if you, uh, because the game went to overtime, Monday, February 26, all you need to do is head to your local B-dubs from 2 to 5 p.m. and pick up six free wings for America. Yeah. 
All right, we've got to take a timeout. I'm Colby Daniels. That's Jeremy Poplin, Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Pop takes the reins next here on The Blitz.